Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host for the most, as always, Adela Marcy. And today I'm actually joined by someone super special to me. Some, someone that I cannot believe I had the good fortune of meeting when I did. And uh, just an overall good guy. Like, absolutely amazing person. Loving to pieces. It's none other than my friend, Tony Grebmeyer, who is um, out in the States. And everyone keeps butchering his name, which I really don't get why. It's not even hard to pronounce. The first bit freaks me out, but, you know, I get the rest of it done. Um, but Tony G is just a boss, just absolutely amazing in every single way possible I could think of. And he's lived one hell of a life and lived to tell the tale, lived to tell the tale. I'm always going to mess things up. Tony, thank you for being here. We appreciate you being here, brother. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's going to be exciting to, uh, get to talk to your audience today and hopefully I'll be able to serve them and give them something that they can use right off the bat. So it's not like another just boring ass interview. I don't think I've ever done a boring ass interview. So this no, is I be- have, I, I have, <laughs> I've done boring ass interviews before with people who are like, come on the show and you're like, really, that's what you brought me today. That's what I have to put out to the world today. All right, great. Thanks. <laughs> oh, that's going to be so much fun. Guys, prepare for a lot of randomness, uh, laughter, pure awesomeness from this man. He's amazing. But real quick shout out to everyone, uh, to the sponsors for the show and this episode specifically. We have, um, what was it? what's your company name ship offers yes yes shipoffers.com uh is one of the sponsors of the show we also have uh drainersanddrivers.com which is also both a tony sites i'd actually suggest going to drainersanddrivers.com and signing up right away the five-day challenge that he has on there is incredible to say the absolute uh least i mean that thing should be sold for like 100 bucks at the very minimum and i and- give the thing away yeah, you do. It's like throwing like amazing things at people. Just go get it. It's amazing. Trust me, you'll you won't regret it. Um, for people that are listening to background noises on my side, don't worry if you hear them; they'll probably be gone on post edit. But we have uh, that stuff happening. It's always here. Anyway, and the other person, of course, that's sponsoring the show as always is AdamMarcy.com. Go to the site, go check it out, and ensure that you listen to future podcasts by opting in. And also give us a rating, you know, like it, like and subscribe and rate us on iTunes and all the other fun places, because that's what we do. It's the lifeblood of the show. My ego lives with this kind of stuff, so it's amazing. And all, all joking aside, it's actually amazing. So, Tony, before we even, uh, just right away to give guys a preference and a background to how you and I met, uh, friend of the show and brother from another mother, my friend Joss uh, Aguirre, who's down in... New Zealand, not New Zealand, he's in Australia. Don't let him know I said New Zealand. He'll kick my ass for that one simple thing. But he's uh, he's in Australia. He interviewed you and then messages me immediately going, you need to speak to Tony. And then just like, I'm like, okay, I'll reach out to Tony and see what's up. And for a while, it was like, I was trying to get your attention, but I think you were really busy and we didn't really sync up together. And then one day we decided that we just got on a call and within like, it was supposed to be a 15 minute get to know each other call. It lasted 45, 30 minutes to 45 minutes of us going back and forth, laughter. And I was like, I, I want this man on my show. And he was like, I want you on my show. And then we met up in London um, like three weeks later. you carried my bags for me. You were such a nice man. You carried oh. my bags for me as I was <laughs> sick and not doing well you said sir i will be happy to take your bags to town and get them prepared and fixed for you and i'm like dude uh who are you um how do i know you because most of my friends would be like dude you need to go pay somebody to get that shit fixed and you're like i'll just do it i was like awesome and i think i had to pay you we went to what is it hondos ondos what kind of chicken oh nando's nando's Nando's. yeah something like that so and I had to watch all you guys lick chicken with your fingers and eat the bones. It was disgusting. But okay, another story. <laughs> so real quick, because so this is the perspective for like Tony's told his perspective. Besides that, because he makes me sound like a very British like bag person, which is awesome. Um, it was actually uh, on your show. You mentioned it, but I wanted to just tell everyone on this show as well. What happened with that uh, when we met Tony was Tony's bag handle tipped over and bent on like the corner of something and the worst part was it bent right where you push the bag down so you can actually get the hand da- handle down for the little carry-on so we're trying to look around tony's ill bless him and i'm calling around trying to find out places that actually does replacements and everyone's like it's gonna take two weeks i'm like he's flying in two days okay uh find place that does it they say they can possibly do it and i'm like turns out that place is right around the corner from where i live i'll take it with me and tony's the thing that made me laugh the most was tony's response to it was like what 
people do this? I was like, people don't do this? This is like really normal in my world. So it was just a really nice way of us connecting. And, you know, ever since then, the guy's just been amazing. He's been kicking my ass about releasing uh, products. And don't mind him dying, by the way. He's uh, he's not feeling too good, but he's mustering up the energy to kind of come out and kick lots and lots of butt for us. Now, that being said, I do want to actually talk a little bit about your background and stuff. Because you've been in business and online, particularly since like the 90s, right? Yeah, don't make me sound old. But yeah, 1996. <laughs> I was working in Silicon Valley as a radio air personality uh, by night or day, depending on what my boss did with my uh, my air shifts. And I had a girlfriend at the time who worked for Apple and uh, she used to bring laptops home and I used, I used to, you know, bang on them and see if I could break them. And I remember getting connected to the Internet for the very first time. Uh, Prodigy, CompuServe, uh, Earthlink, those were the connections that I had. I don't even think I had AOL, just so you know. Like AOL was something that didn't have any mail coming to me. So I never had a mailbox or a need for one. But I uh, got connected, figured out the internet really, really early on. A childhood friend went off to college, called me up one day and said, hey, uh, would you be interested in looking at a possible business venture? And I'm like, uh, sure. I make like $35,000 a year as a starving, basically radio air personality. While the cross competition across the town was making seventy to one hundred thousand dollars a year, like we were like, I was making good money, but I wasn't like thriving, right? And so I was like, sure, what opportunity is it? He's like, hey, let's look at building websites and traffic and marketing. And I'm like, traffic, websites, and marketing? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, you know how you log on to that box and there's ads that pop up. And you can connect and you can send emails and stuff. There is a future right there. And I'm like, all right, cool. And so we began to build kind of website marketing and traffic business living in Silicon Valley. So by night, I was a DJ. By day, I was programming, figuring out how to build websites. Um, and Gil was uh, finishing up his art major at UCLA. And he went to work for the very first kind of company to build a website for Pixar's Toy Story. Wow. So he built like the very first website that you ever saw for when you went to go look for Toy Story. And so I was watching what he was doing and I was just fascinated that you could put images and creations together. People would go and download content. And that started our journey uh, in 1996, 97 into building websites and making money online and then kind of just, you know, dabbled in a couple other things along the way to where I'm at today. It's, it's still the same connection. And that's what so many people miss out on. They're always looking for the next big thing. I'm like, if you would just get connected to what you were created to do, and if you don't know what you were created to do, uh, one of my suggestions, you just heard it, is go to drainersanddrivers.com because it's a great way for you to figure out what you were built to do instead of what you've been stuck doing. And so I built a course because it really today helps so many people to figure out their blind spots, figures out like what are they why are they so exhausted when they get home when they thought they signed up for what they thought was a career or a path or a job or something that they wanted? Right. And so once I was able to figure all that stuff out and like you, you expressed, my journey has looked like a busy road with a lot of potholes in it. It's been paved over many times. And then a little over nine years ago, I decided to bring in the wrecking crew and we tore up the asphalt and we rebuilt the foundation. And that's, who I am today with all of life lessons of what was and what is today is somebody who uh, is passionate about helping people to discover their greatness, to literally say to themselves, no matter what in this very instance, anything is possible. And that what was once impossible is possible today because people like myself and you and others believe in you. And a lot of people need that, just that little confirmation of, of that, that person's right there on the cusp of the cutting edge to say, Hey, you know what? Don't give up because I tried to commit suicide. So I got that knock on that door. Like I had the shit that hit the fan. And when someone said to me, your life has meaning and purpose, but what you're doing right now doesn't man that hit home. Um, and I was separated from my wife, my kids and I were living, you know, separate and we had to do the old, you know, swap the kids a couple times a week. My business was dying, the one that I currently own today that's in year uh, 17. Um, my partners didn't know what to do with me. My parents didn't give up on me, but they didn't know how to help me. 
And, uh, you know, my life changed. And then nine years ago, I built the foundation in which I stand on today. And that's why I love to tell people, your past doesn't equal your future unless you're heading in that direction. And the moment I decided to make um, the most important decision, which was to take personal responsibility for my life and actually accept all the shit that I did, all the stuff that I put people through and started just living. I, I think I was always authentic. I think I was always authentic in my businesses and that kind of stuff. But I, I don't think I was um, somebody who at the end of the day was very proud of his word. His word didn't mean anything. His word didn't mean is you could throw a rock and that was about as far as my word would go. Like it would just go as far as you could see it. Today I live that the only thing I have on planet earth is my word and I have to do really a lot of amazing stuff around it to make sure that I, I follow through on what I say I'm going to do. Yeah, I definitely hear that. Far too few people actually have that integrity to actually say, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. And it's something that I actually, um, I was talking to a friend of mine, Delora, and she and I actually discussed what are some of my core values. And one thing she goes, what is it that if, if you were to die uh, tomorrow, what is something that you'd want the world to actually know about you? And I was like, to be fair, like five things. And I was like, one of them is definitely love and the other one's laughter and fun. But actually to be driven by integrity as well for me is quite a huge thing. Because if I say I'm going to do something... If I can't do it, I will let the person know, look, I cannot do this. I totally short-sighted myself here. Let me make it up to you. But no, but no. isn't that empowering, though? Don't you think that's empowering? Hell yeah. Where, when you say to it. somebody, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But you know what? I'm committed to helping you figure this out. So I'm going to go on my network and ask. Yeah. Like, isn't that empowering in a lot of ways? Entirely. It makes you completely invaluable to the person that you're actually speaking to as well and how you're helping them because as something that you and I both know, and it's weirdly hilarious to me, you know I have a messed up mind the way that I find things funny. I say messed up in a joking way, but it's more or less in the sense of I see things as nothing as coincidental as everything serendipitous that everyone falls into the place when it does. The word ownership has come up nine times this one week from six different sources. Maybe they're telling you something. Entirely. And it's just like, I've said it a couple of times to a couple of people. I've had other people say it back to me. And you and I had this whole conversation about an hour ago because I got the timing wrong. And you were like, no, that's something that a lot of people don't do is it, it, taking ownership gives you so much empowerment. So that's something I want to like talk to you about right here. Because you did take ownership. You took complete ownership. You, you failed, essentially, you saved, not failed. You saved your marriage. You saved your business. You saved your life. And now you're saving other people's lives by basically just fulfilling what you can as your potential on earth and what your purpose is. Yeah. I, I mean, look, the, the things that are interesting that I think are like the unknown things about Tony that make up kind of my DNA, you know, I was in um, special education up until basically really ninth grade, but I completed all the way through 12th grade. So I had a learning disability. I didn't talk until I was four. Um, I was drunk my first time by like 18 months. So I like, I tell people that because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic today. And so I don't drink or use drugs. And so I, I look at like, wow, like I had my first drink pretty early on. Um, and one of the things uh, about taking ownership and personal responsibility is just saying like, I fucked up. Like I made tons of mistakes, but they're life lessons that have been the best teacher to where I'm at today. Like I wouldn't replace or change or go through anything, any, any different. Like I, I literally work with my two childhood best friends. Like I've known these cats since I was a little kid. I've lived with one uh, business partners with another one early on. And, um, you know, look, when I look back at my life and my family, um, my parents divorced when I was three, uh, months old. Um, I ended up uh, living with my dad for a short period of time. My dad ended up molesting me. Um, and along there was kind of like, uh, what did I do wrong? How did I go wrong in the uh, life situation? Like, how did this happen to me? Um, and then fast forward to uh, my dad uh, passed a little over three and a half years ago. And one of the interesting things that I was able to do through this whole process is I was able to forgive. I was able to forgive my father and I held his hand basically a couple of days before he had passed. He died of Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, but I was able to tell him I love him and I forgive him and there's no hard feelings. Um, and, and, I, and I'll say it not in a sick way, but I'll say it in a very uh, positive way. Um, 
the resentments and the regrets and the fears and the doubts, they only hurt you. Yep. They only hurt you. And so I felt like there was so much power that was still over me from other people. And so I just had to take personal responsibility for my life. And like I said, early on this interview, you know, meaning and purpose, I didn't have any. And my friend uh, called me during the act of trying to commit suicide. And he said, I'm coming to see you. And he gave me a big hug. And uh, John is one of my dearest friends. He's on speed dial. He's on my wall in my studio. Every day I walk in and do what I do. I'm reminded of somebody who took a stand to help me see through the darkness something of a glimmer of light, a hope, a little speckle, a freckle, or whatever it may be of something that said, hey, you know what, Tony, you can fix this if uh, you have the capacity to be honest and you have to do the work. And so once I made the decision that I didn't die, I'm here today, and uh, now I look back, it was a, such a selfish, self-centered um, act where now I want to help people when they almost feel like they're on the, the edge. And we've talked about it on our interview. Yeah. You said six or seven times you tried to commit suicide. Um, where yeah. I want to help people to see themselves better than maybe they currently see themselves. Because I see in all of us as greatness an opportunity today to rise up. You know, it's funny, you, you were on my show and we were I said, you know, tell me an actor or something of voices and you did Heath Ledger. And, you know, I watched Batman this last weekend and I was watching Heath Ledger. And the parable is for me is that Heath Ledger was on like seven or eight different drugs, basically towards his end of his life that he had. You know, you, you, it's known. It's not like I'm making this up. Yeah. Um, and I was on like six or seven different things, very similar to what he was taking. And so from a chemical imbalance is what I had in my body. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out because I, I was able to manipulate the doctors. I was able to manipulate the pharmacist to give me prescriptions on a Friday. I was able to manipulate the situation to always go my way. But I remember one day when I went to my uh, mailbox at the apartment when I was living there, I went to go see if I got approved for a credit card. And I received like the the 19th denial of saying, sorry, sir, there's no more credit for you. We can't give you credit. Your, your scores in the fours. <laughs> and I remember saying to myself, I'm like, fuck, like how did I go from up the hill living with my wife, the all American kind of dream of a family, two kids, little dog, nice, you know, neighborhood. How did I go from all of that to where I'm now down feeling like I need to end my life? And I think uh, I got caught up in a fantasy. I got caught up in, you know, there's a, this, the mentality in the States, and I'm sure there's something similar, is keeping up with the Joneses or trying to, to do one better than everybody else. But, like, I go back now in reflection looking at my childhood. I, my mom did everything in her power to keep us in a neighborhood she shouldn't have probably kept us in because she couldn't probably afford it. She had to work three jobs to put food on the table. And the lessons that I learned growing up are – Hard work, dedication, um, commitment, uh, always be kind, loving, help others. And somewhere along my journey and my path, I lost that. Um, and, you know, I just became selfish and self-centered and I really didn't care or thought too much about anybody else. And my ego was really, really big. Um, you know, I, was, I had made millions already by the time I was in this suicidal kind of mindset. And when I look back at everything that I've done, to get to me to where I'm at today, I think I'm most proud of is what you were talking about, ownership, personal responsibility. Um, my mom, conversation I had with my mom 44 minutes into a, like a, what they call it a 12 step call. My mom just got on the phone and just said, hey shit, son, your life's falling apart, you need help. And I'm like, no, I don't. And at 44 minutes, I said, you know what mom, you are right. You dealt with dad, you saw his, his drinking and everybody else's drinking in the 70s. Maybe I do need help. And the next day I went to my very first uh, uh, 12 step uh, meeting and I, I haven't had a drink since. And that's been over nine years. So how did that happen? Right. That's the kind of stuff I love to talk to people is because I made a decision. And there's that statement you've heard many times in life. Like, are you interested or are you committed? Yeah. I was very interested in, in taking my life. I think the commitment was that God intervened and saved me and sent an angel to my door, happened to be a guy. And he said, not today. And now I'm very committed to helping people say to themselves, you know what? Um, no matter what you did, no matter how big the mess is, no matter how much money or debt you're in, if you have the capacity to be honest and take personal responsibility, you too 
Uh, I'm not, I'm not special. I'm not unique. I'm just somebody who is dedicated uh, and passionate about turning this ship around and uh, righting my wrongs, um, laying out a foundation that now takes action and vigorous honesty and steps to help people see for themselves that, Hey, that greatness that that guy's talking about in this interview, that's in me too. That's actually really, really true. And that's something that I commend you for actually having a conversation and being open about because far few people are actually even open about that stuff in an authentic manner. And here's what I mean. When I started this interview series, this podcasting thing, it wasn't because I wanted to be famous. It was because I realized that this is like 2013. I came to the realization that everyone was sick and tired of hearing, and no offense to him because he's an amazing person in his own right. John Lee Duma, uh, Dumas is um, Entrepreneur on Fire. By around that point, I started to hear it in his voice. He had completely lost interest in what he was saying. Like, the passion was dead in him. Like, he, he was like, you know what? I'm just doing this because it's, it, it, it brings traffic. I'm just doing it for work. It's not even fun anymore. So I said, I don't want to get to that point. And I'm tired of these guys that are at the top of the hill acting like everything's fine and dandy. Mm-hmm. I want to get those motherfuckers down to my side. I want to show them the other side of these people. The side that I see when I'm writing with them. The side that I see when I'm working with them. The side that's like funny, goofy, scared, happy, you know, chilling out, angry, weird, depressed. All those things. Because you see them as a copywriter. You do see oh, them yeah. because your, your client basically... I've had a client call me in the middle of the night having a full-on meltdown after having a fight with his wife going, my wife is freaking out because of the amount of money I paid you. Hmm. I'm like, it wasn't even that much, dude. And I was like, okay, fair enough. You're supposed to be making millions and she's freaking out over like a couple of thousand dollars. Fair enough. Let's make that money back for you. And we did. And it's interesting when you see that side and after speaking to them, you see a level of authenticity start coming up and you, and you can tell the difference. There's people that are online that are trying to be authentic and there's almost like a hint of, are you really like this? And then there's you who is just so straight up truthful about everything. Like, Speaking to you on here and meeting you in person, not a single ounce of in inauthenticity in you. And I'll say that right now, someone that's met you. No, I appreciate it. But, but let me ask you this crazy question. Why the fuck do you think that is? That people that you're in, you're completely- No, no, just why do you think people just bullshit? Approval. Why else? You think it's approval? It's approval and actually living in fantasy land. I mean, think about it. If you, from a, let's, let's talk from a business standpoint. If you're supposed to be the king of the hill, uh, in your own shit and everyone else is looking up to you because they're again keeping up with the joneses and trying to make sure that you look you live the life that's accordance to what success looks like in a lot of people's eyes but you're unhappy you're not going to step down from the king of the hill spot because you don't so want to i i think um it's i think it's i think it's deeper than that though oh it definitely is but i'm going from no like, no i i think i think it's that's, i think it's i think it's to the point where Take me back to like elementary, junior high, and high school. I don't know what you guys called it where you where uh, you went to school, but yeah. that's what it was for us in the states. Remind me of this: <clears throat> teachers teaching the class. Uh, you're sitting at your seat. Uh, you're in second grade or second position or school or whatever the hell you want yeah. to call it. Yeah, and you need to use the restroom. Yep. What What'd you have to do? Put your hand up, ask permission, and go. Cool. What happened when you went to high school and you needed to go to the bathroom? Still had to put your hand up, ask permission, and go. But I'm guessing in the U.S. you also need a whole pass as well. Cool. What happened when you went off to after 12th grade? You just went to the bathroom whenever you needed it. Right. And what did you get away from asking? Permission. Right. You stopped asking for help because asking for permission is really saying like, hey, I, I need some assistance. And I think our society has got to the point now with social media, Facebook, everybody's a guru, a mentor and teaching and reading this book and do this and do that, <clears throat> that we forget to ask and think for ourselves. So we're so caught up in like following what everybody else is doing. So that's the path that I think I need to be on. Now, I'm not speaking for everybody. I'm just speaking for the masses that I know because I've interviewed enough people, well over a thousand interviews. I've taught courses. I've saw people on a daily basis live through this. People have a hard time with commitment. Because they're afraid of being told no. So we have this fear. In my program, it's called face everything and run or false evidence appearing real. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, we are afraid of being rejected. Yeah. And so what we do in our society today is we don't say anything and we move. 
Well, the biggest lessons from the four agreements, it doesn't matter if it's the Bible, it doesn't matter what book it is, um, a lot of the, the basics are the, still the same. Um, we're really good at storytelling. So we can manipulate the situation. I've said it a couple of times in the show. We can make you think, poor Tony, I want to help Tony. And in regards, Tony's just a, a psychopathic liar, a, a cheat, a, a thief. But in regards, he changed all that nine years ago. Well, how did he do that? How did he do that? So we were talking personal responsibility. Yeah. What kind of personal responsibility did I, did I step up to the plate and start swinging? I don't know the answer. I, I need help today. I went to some courses and, and reprogrammed the programming that I had been brought up with. The programming that my parents and teachers and everybody else thought was best for Tony didn't suit me anymore. Like your computer, your iPhone, it doesn't Android, it needs an upgrade. I just got new programming and I just went back and reformatted the old and got rid of some viruses that were running around inside and I changed up uh, the hardware and I made better uh, decisions today. And I think if you get back to your question, the process and where we're at in this conversation, I think people have the God-given talents and abilities to um, take ownership, but because it's too comfortable, that means that they have to admit fault, that it's easier just to plot their course and go along, and then their mess is so big, they don't know how to clean it up, and then what they're really stuck with is shit, so they've been so good at lying for so long that it just is mass-produced into this big cancerous thing, and you don't know what to do. And that was me for a long period of time is because I was running um, Ponzi schemes in relationships and in friendships because I was broke. I was broke. I was a million dollars in debt. I made you think that my life was perfect. I made you think my marriage was perfect. I made you think my business was perfect. But yeah, but behind the scenes, I was taking a $200,000 automobile back to the dealer and saying, hey, you can have it. And they're like, well, you you, you bought that. I'm like, but I can't drive it. You need to take it over. And they're like, well, we're going to ding your credit. I'm like, you can do whatever you want. Like if I'm broke, you can't bleed a turnip. There's nothing else to give. <laughs> and long and behold, uh, it never showed up on my credit score. Wow. But how, how does, how is that kind of stuff like possible? Well, I believe that the action is the most important piece that people need to take. The outcome is going to be the outcome. You have to be responsible for the action, the, the next right thing. The, the next action for me was I needed to start doing things completely different because the Buckminster Fuller mindset was, you know, to build a new model, to make the old model obsolete, you have to build a new model. The new model for Tony today, nine years into this deal, is 100% um, authenticity. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to admit my faults. I'm going to be of service to every person I possibly can. If you, you're out to hurt me, screw me, or do something bad to me, that's on you, not on me. I'm very mindful of my surroundings. I meditate and spend a lot of time with mentors and coaches today. I spend a lot of my time seeing how I can show up and be the change that I wish to see in this world. Gandhi said it best. However, I really have internalized that concept and said, how do I personally live a life that's inspiring towards others? Because I may be the only version of a book they ever read, or I may be the only version of that be the change mantra that somebody may ever see. So how do I do that? Not in an ego way, not I'm edging good out, but yet I'm literally living a transparent, authentic life that makes people want to get out of bed in the morning and go partner with me on deals, go uh, go to a concert or go to a workshop or go take a course. Like, how do I do that? That's the shit that people need to be talking about because in there is the transformation. How does a guy go from a million in debt to not a million in debt? Yeah. How, is it just paying your bills? Cool. That's awesome. But uh, when you owe the IRS a ton of money and you have to short sell your house and you have to move your family and you have to live in apartments and whatever it may be to get out of debt. And then you have all this extra money you have to pay back on 401k and all the stuff that you did. It's all about taking ownership. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. that that's the conversation that I think our society should be having. I mean, we live in a, we live in one of the most beautiful times in our existence, I believe now, but we also have this thing called the internet and communication and data that really 
um, I've tuned all of it out. My Facebook feed looks nothing more than a bunch of friends having a good time in life. All the negative, the moment I see negative, I unfriend you or unfollow you. I, I, I filter you away from my existence because um, the people who know that they need help, they're reaching out. And if they don't, I'm reaching out to them saying, hey, you know, I've been noticing this. Do you want, you want to get down and have a cup of coffee or whatnot? That's the change today. Yep. And something that we'll actually say right now is you kicked my ass into like completing what I was basically sitting on for absolutely ages. And now it's Thursday. Um, just to give you a, a heads up, I mean, by the time the show comes out, we'll be done dusting up online. But right as of now, uh, both three and four are recorded and uploaded to the site and basically going through the design workshop to make sure they get released to the clients as and when. But why, why did you take so long to uh, get them complete? fear that's actually the truth it was like i was genuinely scared whether or not my stuff was good enough and what really changed it for me and something that i don't like to do very often is analyzing competition mm. because um you know i come from a martial arts background you know this as well because you you have trained mma but when i used to fight i used to hate watching my opponent's tapes i used to hate like watching my opponents fight because i'd look at them and go instead of like picking up what they do wrong i'd pick up what they do good and try and compare it to myself and say i'm not that good at this so i don't focus on my strengths i focus on my weaknesses what really shifted for me was i came to it was um it was two things one was speaking was watching my instructor my head instructor in brazilian jiu-jitsu marco uh compete at a show and just seeing him utilize his weaknesses and strengthen down like double down on his weaknesses to make them strengths and the second was david goggins and David Goggins is like, he, he was on Joe Rogan's show recently, and what he said was, you want to be uncommon amongst uncommon people. It's like, you want, to be, you want to be really good at what you do, you stand out from the crowd, then you find your tribe, and then you have to stand out from your tribe. Because that's the only way you can actually get to where you want to be, where you can serve to the highest level. So that's pretty cool. So I analyzed my competition and said, okay, who else is putting out a course anywhere remotely as close as me? I picked up their course and I messaged them saying, hey, do you mind if I, you know, check some stuff out or, you know, how can I get into this? And I sent them, uh, thankfully, because of my reputation, people just kind of let me in, which is really, really nice. It's just like, hey, here you go. Here's access. Can we get access to your stuff? I'm like, yeah, by all means, we'll do a trade. I went through this guy's course and it was module three that really kicked my ass. Email module, because I was like, no way can I talk about email. I mean, I don't even know what I'm doing half the time. I write well, but blah, 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 blah. All these bullshit ideas, even though I've like written hundreds of millions of dollars in campaigns for people my mind was still going i still don't know what i'm doing i watched two of his videos and one of my i sent uh one of my friends in the u.s uh she's not even a copyright she's just a person that's a really, really good good friend i sent her a, a copy of one of the videos of the modules like the slide deck that i created for module three her response was you should be very grateful I'm not in the UK right now. I said, why? She goes, I will literally beat the living fuck out of you if you don't release this. I was like, why? She goes, this one video alone on a standalone is like a hundred bucks. Like people charge more than this to understand this one concept that you've broken down in 15 minutes. How are you not able to do this? So then that was it. That, that and then that was that delay, like constantly trying to find myself. Who am I? What am I doing? Who am I? What am I doing? You know this because uh, we had this conversation. I went through an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of pain recently, like emotional pain, and I came out the other side. And when I came out the other side, I just realized from more the essence in all the stuff that Jennifer said, everything that uh, friends had said, everything my competition had said, and everything that you had said came to make sense that I need to release this. I can't sit on this anymore. If I sit on it, I'm doing a, a disservice to my people, disservice to the marketplace. I'm not fulfilling what's right because for the people that listen out there and actually heard me talk about story selling blueprint, I'm going to tell you right now what makes it different. Quite simply, it doesn't take you 30 hours to learn how to write direct response copy. If you have the right system in place, you can go from complete novice to actually dangerous at what you're doing, meaning you, you have enough information that's applied They'll get you dangerous, and if you practice it, the better you more, more the better you'll become in one hour. And that's what the system is. The system is to take you through five modules over five hours total, and you'll become I wouldn't say a master, but you'll become a, a very good amateur to a very decent pro in five hours on understanding web copy, sales copy, email copy, VSLs, and webinars. You'll be like, I know more than the majority of people, and I can apply this stuff in an instant. Why? It's not that difficult when you break down the psychology of it all. It's all you no, know. No, and, and I think the the point that 
you just made is is the most important kind of concept that we can we can latch on to, right? So we sit we sit in our pity pot or we sit on our sofa and we look in the mirror or we look in our bank account and we say, shit, everything's falling apart. I don't feel confident enough. No one's gonna buy my course. So all that's like that self-talk stuff. Yep. And that's sabotaging us from equaling the greatness that's in us. So what are some things that I think this, I'm gonna spin this back because I'd love, like we're right on a good topic right now. So what are some things that you learned about the self-sabotage and the self-talk that were the, the, the lessons that you've been able to pull and extract out of that that got you really into action? Because, you know, motivations like deodorant, you need it, but eventually it wears off. So how do you uh, stay consistent and persistent when there's no one around you? It's three o'clock in the morning and that idea in your head is spinning. Like, how did you get all this stuff done and, and as fast as you possibly can into action? Was it fear? Was it money? Was it that enough people said you can do this and you got some hope? Like, tell me some of those things. It was like a multitude of factors and it's something that I'm actually currently still deciphering because that fear of like not having enough money is a genuine thing. I mean, I kind of, I let myself fall into a cycle where as long as I had a little bit of debt, I felt comfortable because I thought if I rise out of it, I'm doing a disservice to like my, I'm weirdly loyal to like an old belief when I was a child, which is really fucked up. Um, but what really got me out of it was several things. One was having friends like yourself and Joss and a few other great people just kicking my ass about it and asking how they can help me and how, and me, uh, the, the other part of it was also me asking for help. Mm. So whenever I was actually in, in the spot, because one of the things that I hate doing is, uh, I hate creating slides. So I'm in this group with another guy that we had on earlier this season, uh, Landon Porter, uh, his sales gorilla group and every week they do something ask for a resource ask for some help and someone will reach out to you so i said does anyone want to go through the audio files of my course and create the slides because i suck at this shit and it's really starting to piss me off i had three people reach out to me one of which i met four years ago when i still lived in plymouth and we became friends in plymouth and she's traveling around the world like kicking ass right now she was like i'll do you a better one I'll do the slides for you. You let me in the course. I'm like, that's a done deal. There we go. You get the audios and it took her four days and she basically did all the slides for me. I synced them back together and put them online, get it all done that way. The next was actually uh, the fear of not doing this because um, in my line of work, obviously you run to a lot of cool people. And one of the cool things that I actually figured out was a lot of people that are empathic. They're very, very mm. good at their intuition. Um, and one of them sat me down and said, if you don't fucking do this right now, you will literally die with the greatest gift possible still in your heart. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, what's holding you back right now? The obstacle that you think is in the way is actually the way forward. You get rid of this thing. You get it out there. Whether it makes you a million dollars or makes you zero dollars, the fact that it got out of you will allow other ideas to start coming out of you that are just pent up waiting to, to be released. So I was like, that's another fear because like for me, um, I'm quite spiritual in the sense of, I believe everything, again, like I said, everything happens for a reason, but also I actually believe that if you don't live full out, you're just another person that basically end up in a graveyard that didn't actually give it his all or give it their all. Because if you want to find the place that has the greatest buried ideas in the world, go to a graveyard. You'll find like, you'll find huge masses of people that had a great idea. That There's people just dying it. to get in there too. Yeah. And, you know, I was one of them, as, as we both mentioned. <laughs> I was trying to, like, shortcut away to the end because I thought that was the only way. But then you realize, after seven suicides, there's a reason that you're still here, and you need to live by that shit. And I'm sure, you, you know, you got to Yeah, and, and, I, and every day that I walk into the office, every day I go to a meeting, every day that I leave my house, it doesn't matter. I always tap the uh, doorway, kind of like... And I just say, thank you for giving me the chance to walk through these doors today. I'm a human being with a soul and passion and a heart. And, you know, I have all those same things you talk about, right? Yeah. Those same things that you went through. And I've been reading a new book from Mel Robbins, the five second rule. I'm, I'm working on trying to see if I can get her on my show. She's awesome. And I would totally like, I'm, I've been kind of like quietly trying to find networks that try and get you in on that as well. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm literally going to do everything in my power. But one of the things she talks about is like when she was sitting and laying in bed with millions of, you know, just, tons of debt, jobs, all this stuff going on, husband, work, life, everything. How she just kind of woke up to like, I, I need to get this stuff done. Because 
wouldn't this be cool if you thought for just a moment that um, in the moment when you're sitting in the bed, miserable, your life's kind of like where it is, your debt, your seven suicides, or all these things, ex relationships, and you have the same problem today. Um, but what changed was that you got into action and you just said in the moment, like, okay, so I'm going to probably have this problem for a while. So let's play a game. Do I allow the, do I allow myself to keep losing sleep over it and life over it? Or do I get busy living and get out of bed and go do something about it and make a game out of it? That's what I did when I was almost a million dollars in debt. I just started playing a game with it. I just, okay, cool. So if my credit score is so stinking bad, how do I improve my credit score? So I started playing games. I started learning like what I needed to do to turn this thing around. When I owed the IRS hundreds of thousands of dollars, I said, what do I need to do to pay it off? Well, I probably need to go through the system and, and I know the system is built. Um, it's a business, they want their money, but I'm like, I gotta figure out how not to pay so much and lose so much to interest as fast as possible. So I started researching and getting deeper into it. Like, cool, um, I needed to buy a house, but I didn't have enough credit and I didn't know what to do. So I borrowed from my 401k. Like I had to make it a game, I had to play, I had to manipulate the system, I had to get it to work for me. But if I sat in bed and I said all those things, oh, I can't do that, that's impossible. My, my, my score's never gonna get better. I'm never gonna get out of debt. I, I can never buy a house. I can never repair my marriage. I can never get sober. I can never go from a six-figure business to a seven to an eight-figure business. I can never do that. Guess where I'd still be? I'd still be in bed with the covers over me. The only thing that changed was my decision in the moment to make it a game. And life is nothing but a bunch of one-up games like in Mario Brothers that we need to keep aiming for the stars every single day, jumping, and doing our best today to get better than we were yesterday. And I think that's the stuff that you're talking about doing. You're talking about the tough stuff. So many people in business and life wanna blame their circumstances or their situations, but you can go to any third world country and you see people are happy despite the money, despite their living conditions, they're just happy. But then you look at people like in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, it doesn't matter, United States, and they're miserable because their life's coming to an end and they live in the projects or whatever it may be. But then like last night I was watching television and Charles Woodson was born into like this just, uh, I, forget the, I forget the place that he was born in, it was in Ohio. Well, he had clip, his feet were like needed to be in traction, kind of like Forrest Gump growing up. Well, this guy went on to be one of the, the best defensive backs ever in football. And his opening monologue was he won the Heisman Trophy as a defensive guy. Wow. Um, he played 16 or 17 seasons in the NFL. But yet, if you look at him as a little kid, he didn't look like he was going to amount to something. But what was going on in his mind was he was making all these decisions that says, no, I'm going to do better. Same thing like you. No, I'm going to do better. Same thing like Tony. No, I'm going to do better. And that's the challenge that you have to help people because we all need a hand up today. Yeah. We don't need a handout. We need a hand up. We need somebody just to say, hey, I believe in you. I, I want to lift you up. Like, I want to build you up. I want to bring you up with me. Come, you know, most of the people that I have working for me um, are not in positions that I hired them. I put them in. I just said, hey, I need help in the warehouse. Are you willing to give me some of your time? Then trained them to get them to be the, the type of people that I knew that they could be. We all have a seat on the bus. We're just not all sitting in the right seat on the bus. Yep. We're all going down the same road. Oh, I agree with that entirely. And something else that you mentioned right now that's quite interesting to me, and it is down to decision. It's two, it's two things, and then there's a third. So the first one is, it was a quote that you mentioned to me when I was when we were in London. And as soon as I got back home, I downloaded this image and put it straight on my desktop because before it was like, you know, don't do tomorrow what you can do today. That was the initial thing. So right now, it's Tony Robbins' quote. It's like, it is in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. So that's number one. The second thing that I wrote underneath this as well, like so it's just constantly as a note on my on uh, on my web browser, is don't uh, what's it called? Not don't. It's um, decision definition to cut off all other possibility from, because incision is cut into, decision is to cut out of. So that's all it is. And the third thing, and it's interesting because you mentioned uh, Charles. Was it? I don't understand his name. Charles Woodson. Charles Woodson. 
Now, just for people who don't understand, there's something very, very powerful there, and it's something that everyone listening to this has in common. We all have it in common. It, and it's something I'll repeat now because it's usually left unsaid, and I don't want to leave it unsaid. The worst thing you can say for any, to anyone like us is be realistic. Because I had this argument with someone that, you know, you and I, that was involved with. And they said, be realistic. And my response to them was, if I was realistic, I wouldn't be alive and I wouldn't even be here today. They go, what do you mean? I was like, well, I'm a school dropout. Dropped out. I left school at 17. I got I got told I had bipolar depression type 1. I got, uh, I've got ADD. I've got dyslexia. I've got all these learning disabilities that were given to me. But yet I have the intellectual capacity that I do today. Um, so if I was realistic, I wouldn't have that. I don't have any qualifications at the time. I would have actually been stuck working in retail in a city that I kind of got bored to and I'd still be living at home with my parents at the age of 28. Um, and I wouldn't be able to like amount to anything in my life. And they're like, oh, but I was like, I could probably amount to something decent because I'm halfway smart, but I wouldn't have been able to get out into like what I do today because I wouldn't have actually been able to make that decision. So re- realism, in my opinion, is is subjective what you decide is real is what happens between your two uh, between your ears and once you make that decision to that's real go for it because you want to shape that and one of the things you mentioned was surround yourself with people that are positive move away from the negative surround around the positive and they will pick you up and pull you up and you will help them up as well because it's a barter exchange of energy and constantly putting yourself in that high vibration will always get you to a higher place yeah and i want to i want to post this question really, really quick for the, for the audience. Right. And, and this is something that I want you to really think for a moment as you're listening, if you're in a train right now or in a car, just as long as you're not driving, I want you to visualize this, this, this moment that your life is no longer a mystery. When you realize that you hold the key to truly tapping in and unlocking your purpose. And once you know what your purpose is, then you can begin to rewrite the story that was passed down through generations to you. And just like you got out of bed this morning and put on your socks or your undies or whatever you want to call them, you know, a lot of what you did was programmed from your parents. Like, why did you put your left foot in first if you're right-handed? It's because your parents are probably left-handed and they taught you their way first. So a lot of the life lessons that we have are lessons that we've observed from others. So maybe, you need to surround yourself with people that do things different, not like everybody else, because I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't want to necessarily be different, but I want to do things my way. And inside you is a specific place and you have to literally find it and know inside you that there is nothing that is impossible and that no limitations have been placed on you by any outside uh, beings. They're mainly filtered Um, kind of things that you've heard over the life and then you decided to start applying that to your filter and then you began to say, that's impossible, I can't do that. And right now, if your eyes are still closed and in this visual moment, just, just understand this one thing. You were created for more and that no one is coming to save you, but you have the ability to save yourself. That is what I awoke to a little over nine years ago That is something that I live. It's part of my teaching. It takes people from fantasy to literally reality. And in between there is possibility. And I help people to see for themselves what's possible, build a map, get them to reality as fast as possible, and create duplication so that they begin to change the habit loop to something that they can do all day, every day, 365 days a year. They can live with that notion that shit, I need it, I can do it. And almost like you can manifest it in your subconscious and unsubconscious as you go to sleep at night, you can wake up in the morning and the fields will be plowed, the seeds will be planted, and you'll begin to harvest things that you never thought were possible. If your eyes are now open, look at yourself. You are a miracle. You are still have a heartbeat. You are still beating. You are still living. You are thriving. No matter the amount of debt, no matter what you've done, no matter your past, my past is sick, messed up, corrupt. But I'm here to tell you that you can change if you have the desire and the capacity to be honest and you have a willingness that goes deeper than anything to actually make a difference in this world. That is amazing. And 
you know what? It's really, really strange because as much as I want to ask my two favorite questions to you right now on the show, I'm like, we've pretty much just spent this entire show answering those two questions. And those two- mm, strong with the force you are. Yes. <laughs> just a heads up, guys. Tony is uh, probably one of the very few people out there that I will be inviting to. There's two other people I want to get on board with this where we are literally just going to sit in different voices. We're going to pick a voice and we're going to do a podcast in that voice for the shift. I don't know if that's possible. I don't think that the world would really like to listen for like an hour to this voice, but if they do, do you think it will be ideal? <laughs> oh man, Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure, brother. So everyone out there, go check out drainersanddrivers.com just simply because it's so freaking amazing. Uh, the stuff that you can get out there from um, Tony and just the stuff he's got going is ridiculous. Yeah, and, and I would tell you that I think it's reciprocal, right? Um, I think that the opportunity to be on your show is a gift, but to to meet you, spend time with you, break some bread with you, uh, Nando's, and just to see you kind of, um, I don't want to say change, because I don't think that's, you're not a change agent. I think what the thing that I want to say most is I think that you're, your dedication to getting better is, is something that I admire. And I, and you, you're very commendable in the sense that you want to give accolades to all these people. But I say, I, I think the person that you need to hold up the mirror and look at is yourself and know that you're doing the work. I'm not doing anything. I'm like deodorant, right? If applied, you actually get the benefit. If not applied, you stink and you probably smell and nobody wants to hang around with you, but you're doing stuff right now today. That's changing and changing and impacting the world. I'm glad that you're releasing your modules. I'm glad that you found people to do PowerPoint stuff and slides and to help you to release your genius to the world. And you made a very powerful statement, but I'd also want to readjust that statement. If is a really powerful statement. It's also a complete sentence. And you have to be very careful when you get into that. You know, if I make millions or if I don't make any money, I want that to be out of you because that's a belief system. Like, you're already successful. You're already wealthy. You've already, you've already reached a certain level. You've already helped so many customers make millions of dollars. Remember now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. And that's the thing that I want people to realize. Now it's your turn. Stop saying to yourself, if, when, can't wonder, if, I don't know if it's going to come true and just believe that you have this ability right here, right now. And I believe in you. The world is believing in you and uh, you're making all this shit possible. You're a podcast, your business, your relationships. It's, it has the one ingredient, you. Thanks, man. That's, that's the miracle process, right? <laughs> but so many of us want to go crawl back into bed, pull the covers over our head and say, not today, I'll do it tomorrow. And we're not promised tomorrow. We're only promised in this moment. So what are you doing in this very moment to make a big difference? Because the difference is that we need you to step up and be the change agent that the world needs because we need more people living instead of being zombies because we've seen enough Walking Dead movies. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Thank you so much for that. And guys, seriously, just do me a favor. Go check out drainersanddrivers.com and also harass Tony because, you know, in a good way, because he'd love that. Just be like, we love you, because trust me, we do. He's just given so much on the show, and I cannot thank you enough for being here, my friend. Love you. Love you too, man. All right, guys, we'll see you on the next episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. Uh, and yeah, Tony, thank you again. Oh, by the way, guys, go check out the Tony G Show as well, because there are, there are some amazing people on there as well, including myself. I'm on there too. So see you guys on the next episode. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.